Welcome, NFL football fans. That time again, time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. This is an Inside Sports production. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith, Jr., and we got all the best coming at you this week. Remember, uh, it is week two of the NFL season, so we're going to break down the games of week two, take a look back at week one. Also, a little something for you uh, fantasy football players and also our Gambler's Delight uh, pick of the week. You won't want to miss that. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Now, as you know, I don't work alone here. I do enlist the help of the only the very, very best. So let me go ahead and bring him in once again here, the pride of Rutgers University, the man many of you already follow on Twitter, at Chris L Sports, and if not, you should be. Uh, he has some fantastic words of wisdom. Here he is, my main man, Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there? Charles, great to be back. Thanks for an, an, a tremendous introduction. I don't know how prideful I am to be an alumnus of Rutgers University at this point, losing to Eastern Michigan, but regardless, thank you. Uh, great to have football back. Got a lot of nice feedback about the podcast and the new format. So uh, new season is off and running. Yep. There we go. So you know what? Let's uh, skip right into it. What do you think was the, the biggest surprises of the week? I mean, we had Kansas City really uh, Alex Smith at the helm and really taking it to the uh, New England Patriots in the fourth quarter, outscoring them 21 to nothing on the way to a resounding victory. Uh, was it your, possibly your New York Giants laying an egg on Sunday night football? Uh, I think they got, what, it was 16 to nothing at the half. I think they only got two first downs. Uh, the yardage was 270 to 57. It was really horrible. The game was over after the first half. And what about beast mode making his return? And then all the injuries. So a lot of stuff happening in week one. Yeah, I uh, can't say I'm totally surprised about the Giants, given the fact that I've been complaining about their offensive line for two years now. Once OBJ was ruled out, I think that all about summed it up. But uh, the surprising thing about that is in a matter of one day, he's gotten tremendous leverage for a contract extension because he's essentially the whole offense. Uh, you talk about Brandon Marshall all you want. The guy was invisible on Sunday. I think for me, a couple things really stood out. The fact that the Chiefs went in there with uh, Kareem Hunt, the over-my-shoulder, the latest SI uh, cover jinx. I'm on my fantasy team. He had a great week. He propelled me to victory, and now I'm worried. But regardless, uh, great first performance for a rookie running back, record setting. And how about Alex Smith going into Foxborough and outplaying Tom Brady? And, uh, you know, the the Patriots kind of look mortal, I'd have to say. So uh, haven't, haven't been uh, walloped like this at home, uh, I think, what, since uh, 1980 or something like that when they had a lead? I forget Next, that is so that was surprising and then you know you've got a lot of this the same old same old people uh, talking about the referees I do like the improved replay system where they go to the tablet and New York is consulted instead of going under the hood and wasting time but regardless some controversial calls in the Seattle Green Bay game and then of course the injuries you look uh, David Johnson with the wrist out two to three months so uh, you know these things are never going to go away it's like Groundhog Day you're going to have the same stories over and over in the NFL regardless of the year. Yeah, and then we look at, you know, you talk about that SI cover, Jenks. Remember a few weeks ago, even though it's a different sport, but they had the Dodgers on the cover saying possibly were they the best team ever. And then what happens right now, they're mired in an 11-game losing streak. And David Johnson was on the cover of the NFL preview as the one back that everyone wants to stop. Now he's going to be out two to three months. So uh, that SI cover, Jenks, is really, is really in full force. Now, then we look at the other uh, significant injuries. Eric Berry, the great defensive back for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs won that game, but they lost him to the season to an Achilles injury. 
Uh, also, Danny Woodhead, good running back. But he's been a little fragile in the last few seasons for the Baltimore Ravens. He's going to be out six to eight with that hamstring. Allen Robinson, uh, receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars after their resounding victory. But Robinson, he was their 2014 uh, first-round pick. And, you know, he caught 48 balls, uh, 80, and then 73 last year. When he caught 80, that set the franchise record. He also set it for uh, touchdown catches with 14, so he'll definitely be missed. Uh, but a lot of big injuries that happened this week. Yeah, and uh, it's not going to change. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the preseason is essentially turned into one big practice, and these guys don't get the reps. But on the flip side, I understand OBJ hurt his ankle in the preseason. Ryan Tannehill got hurt. So um, it's come to the point where September is becoming like the real preseason. So um, yet again, down the road, I think this has ramifications, and the collective bargaining agreement is up for Demora Smith and the Players Association. Yes. Okay. So, you know, and then a couple of running backs. Uh, first, we'll also congratulate Jason Witten. Uh, he caught a touchdown pass against your uh, Cowboy, excuse me, against your Giants on Sunday night. He became the all-time leader in receiving yardage for the Dallas Cowboys. But a couple of running backs that everyone's had their eye on. One is Adrian Peterson going to the Saints and Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch going to the Oakland Raiders. Beast Mode going 18 carries, 76 yards. He, he looks as good as ever. But uh, quite a different story there for Adrian Peterson and the Saints. And it looks like, is Sean Payton, is he ready to go from that vertical passing game to actually, he's got a good running game. Now, Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson, he should be able to get something going, but uh, looks like they got work to do there in New Orleans. Yeah, and apparently if you don't uh, put AP in and run him up the gut, he's not very happy too. He really gave him the stink eye on the sideline and had a little exchange with him. So... Um, it'll be interesting with the Patriots coming down to the Big Easy this weekend. Do, do they change course and does Breeze air it out on a Patriots D that got lit up by Alex Smith remains to be seen. Um, I was very impressed with Beast Mode. He looked like you know, Seattle 2013 era Marshawn Lynch, uh, bouncing off tacklers, carrying guys, getting a lot of key first downs, eating up clocks. He looked well rested and, you know, J Jack Del Rio spelled him at times with, with the running back rotation, which helped. So, uh, I think he's going to add a nice dimension to the Raiders, one of my uh, one of the teams I picked for potential Super Bowl contenders. But, uh, yeah, I really think uh, David Carr is happy. He's, he's got a running back that can eat up some clock. Okay, there we go. And then a couple of teams that kind of fell flat. Uh, how about Houston? Uh, Houston is one. And Deshaun Watson, by the way, he's going to get the start this Thursday against uh, Cincinnati. And then speaking of Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati getting whooped 20 to nothing by the, by the uh, Ravens. So uh, are they in turmoil? And then Arizona, of course, lost and lost David Johnson. So three teams looking really kind of fragile, and they look like they could be potential playoff teams this year, but uh, not starting out well. No, definitely not. And with all three quarterback play being an issue, Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton have a lot of careless interceptions that led to points. And then even with uh, Houston, Bill O'Brien with the early hook on Tom Savage. I mean, look. You can blame the guy all you want, but when Jacksonville is pounding you and having a ridiculous amount of sacks, there's not much you can do. I think that kind of hits on the overarching theme of week one that, that I've uh, kind of observed here is that offensive line play is crucial. And you look at the Seahawks, you look at the Giants, the Texans, all three potential playoff teams. Throw in there the Chargers, which is a team something could contend for at least a wild card. When the quarterback gets pressured and doesn't have time to throw, you're not going to win games. And I don't know if a lot of these GMs, including my 
favorite whipping boy, Jerry Reese of the Giants. I don't know if you never read the book or saw the movie The Blind Side, but that left tackle side is very important in the NFL. And all three of those teams, if they can't get that figured out, uh, I think they may struggle this season. Yeah, there we go. And then uh, a couple of things. Are they indicative of something? Now, the Rams, they beat Indianapolis 46-9 to this past week. Uh, so is this a coming of age for the Rams? Are they kindly – are they finally going to possibly turn the corner or are what we seeing is the beginning of the end of the Chuck Pagano era in, uh, in Indianapolis? Yeah, it was so bad that Chuck Pagano talked about the beating he took at the hands of the 49ers. I don't think he even remembered it was the Rams. He was so shell-shocked. Um, I think it could be a little bit of both. The, the Colts are a really bad team. I know they changed GMs, and uh, some people think they just got to kind of do a reset and let Andrew Luck get better and not even put him in. Uh, I mean, we're talking about he might not play for another five weeks. Um, on top of that, I think the Rams, while I don't necessarily think they've turned the corner, I think it cannot get any worse than last year. Sean McVay, you could say what you want about him being young and inexperienced. The guy knows how to work with quarterbacks. Look at Kirk Cousins this past week against the Eagles. He looked lost. Look at Jared Goff this week. The guy was a deer in the headlights last season. The guy looked confident. He was accurate. He, he knew the scheme. I mean, he's got two excellent options now at wide receiver they didn't have last year in Watkins and Cup. But uh, look uh, – Bottom line is, I got to go on record. Jeff Fisher has to be one of the worst coaches ever to last longer in 10 years in the NFL because this looks like a completely different team. I'm not going to say they're a playoff contender, but I will say uh, it looks like they're more going to be more improved than the 49ers at the very least. Maybe they get out of the cellar or, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah, I get you. So. Um, anyways, well, with the Rams and, you know, Jeff Fisher, that's one of the things I've asked some of my uh, football friends and also you as well is some coaches, when they get, they win a championship in any sport, you see this, but how long does it take for the residue of one single trip to the Super Bowl to wear off of some of these guys? I mean, Jeff Fisher, he took the Titans to the Super Bowl that one year and made untold millions as a, just a mediocre coach from that point forward. Yeah, by that logic, Jim Fossil should have lasted a lot longer in the NFL or maybe even going back the late great Ray Malavasi with the Rams. So, um, yeah, he was really Teflon. I think his specialty was that he was good when teams relocated. He was kind of like a, one of these consultants they bring in when a company uproots to a new state or a new city. So um, at least we'll give him that. He was skilled in that and earned his contracts extensions that way. <laughs> there we go. And, you know, thinking of con contract extensions, uh, it was good kind of to see uh, the Detroit Lions are so easy to make fun of all the time. But it was good to see Matt Stafford go out there, brand new contract. I mean, what's it? What's he making, $30 million a year now or something? And he really balled out there against uh, Arizona, though. So uh, congrats to Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions and all their fans. Yeah, definitely. I know he's much maligned, but the guy plays hard. Um, even with a broken finger last year, he gutted it up, he, getting the team into the playoffs. And look, he's he's finally got some receivers around him. He doesn't have the greatest running game, but he makes do with what he has. And uh, you know, if he if he played on a team with a little bit better defense, even you know, we call it Dan Marino syndrome, whatever it may be, uh, I think people would think much higher of him. There we go. Okay, so uh, that's last week's. Now we're going to start to look ahead to uh, the coming games of week two. And before we get into uh, picking the games of the week, and then our uh, fantasy football segment and the Gambler's Delight, Mr. Lardieri, some nuggets of wisdom for everybody out there? Yeah, to two quick hits. I mean, uh, we get a uh, 
I believe it's a 7-15 game. And the recurring theme is we get stuck with uh, awful uh, announcing pairs. Luckily this year, uh, Beth Moens, who's done college games, did a nice job. However, there's Rex Ryan. And Rex Ryan, who I don't even know how he has a studio analyst job, but managed to get on uh, on the call of this Broncos-Chargers game, was, to say the least, atrocious. Uh, at, at a brief instant, not very long, it made me long for Trent Delfer. But then I remembered he's just a 49ers apologist anyway. Um, before that, Mike Golick. What's going on, ESPN? Do you not like us out here on the West Coast? You know we're the only ones watching the game that late. Please, we don't have to listen to that. I, uh, Another candidate for mute buttons. One of my good friends told me it was so bad, he switched to the news. That's really got to be bad when you'd rather be depressed than watch a football game analyzed by Rex Ryan. Uh, one more thing, you know, going back to the Ezekiel Elliott thing and Aaron Donald holding out, looking for an extension, and OBJ. Uh, I think these have bigger overriding issues when the CBA's up in a few years where you're not going to have these rookie deals um, oh, we got a little malfunction here. You're not going to have these rookie deals where, where guys are, are going to want these long five-year rookie contracts. So something to keep your eye on. I know Demora Smith is uh, preparing for war and a potential lockout, but a couple, couple things to look for. Yep, there we go. Okay, so let's go ahead and get right into it here. If you, Chris, if you can do your – where's your uh, studio crew there to do that work for oh. you? Are you gonna get We're on break right now. I'm, I'm yeah, I'll do it myself. They're on break. I'm a very, you know, very humble, and I try and treat my employees well. <laughs> okay, so everybody, in case you're not aware, we do our picks of the week segment. So what happens is we take five of the more intriguing matchups, uh, analyze those. We do our picks and uh, see how we turn out. Last week we both went three and two on those picks, and then we do our gambler's delight special. I uh, explain that as it comes up. Then we got a little bit of fantasy football, and then we're out, and everybody can look forward to the upcoming week. So, Mr. Lottieri, how about you uh, go ahead and break down that first game in our Picks of the Week segment? Yeah, so we have uh, two surprising 1-0 teams, the Philadelphia Eagles off a uh, impressive victory on both sides of the ball against the Redskins, head into Arrowhead against the uh, vaunted Kansas City Chief Dragon Slayers, um, Andy Reid facing off against his old team, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, second year, looks like he's really turned a corner. Uh, the Chiefs are favored. Charles, what do you think about this game? <laughs> well, yeah, they're favored by four and a half. So, you know what? I, I like the way that Philadelphia is rolling right now. And I think Carson Wentz, he really had to kind of win a dogfight against the Redskins. Granted, it is the Redskins, and we know they're going to give you some chances. But I think Eric Berry being out of the secondary there in uh, in Kansas City may tilt it tilt a little bit towards the – towards Philadelphia, but then you got to look at Kareem Hunt. Will be able will he be able to do the same thing he did last week? So this is a good matchup. It's going to be a fun game. And, uh, you know, I'm really leaning toward Philadelphia, but I'm going to say because of the momentum of last week and also that incredible home field advantage that the Chiefs have, I'm going to go ahead and here and lean with the Chiefs by the narrowest of margins. I'm going to agree with you. You know, at the end of the day, I'll take Andy Reid over Doug Peterson, his uh, his one-time understudy. And uh, I think that the Eagles definitely benefited by a number of turnovers in Washington last week. I don't think Alex Smith is going to turn the ball over like Kirk Cousins did. If you try and key on Tyreek Hill, uh, there's Kareem Hunt to run the ball down your throat. There's Travis Kelsey over the middle. I think they've just got too many options and weapons. I think it will be a good game, but I'm going Kansas City as well. 
All right, so we do agree on that one. Then the next game, uh, Minnesota Vikings, they're coming off a big uh, Monday night victory over the uh, New Orleans Saints. They're going to be in Pittsburgh to uh, take on the Steelers. The Steelers, uh, you know, they did have a little bit of trouble with uh, Deshaun Kaiser starting there for the Cleveland Browns. But, well, Minnesota, and I think they look energized. I still like Minnesota's defense, a lot of energy. Uh, rushing off the edge, they can cover at all three levels. So, I like Minnesota that way, but Pittsburgh, they've got to be looking at this as the year that they finally get to the Super Bowl. New England is weakened. Uh, the whole kind of AFC looks a little wide open. So Pittsburgh, I think this can be a statement victory for them. Uh, Mr. Lardieri, how do you see this one? Then we've got uh, Pittsburgh as a six-point favorite here, everybody. But uh, we're just picking. We're not picking against the spread. Yeah, got it. Um, I, I'm going to lean towards the Steelers here. While I am impressed with the uh, improved offense of the Vikings, Sam Bradford distributed the ball well. Dalvin Cook, one of the rookies I, I thought to look out for this year, is really going to be a great addition for them. I like the way he ran against the Saints. Um, ultimately, I, I think the Steelers with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and now Jesse James emerging at tight end, mm -hmm. I think that's just too much for the Vikings defense to handle. Uh, look, for whatever reason, the Steelers love going into Cleveland and making things more interesting. You can call it a uh, look-ahead game or whatever they, they term it in college. But uh, I do think that uh, coming home, they're going to be focused. I do think the Vikings should not be taken lightly. Like you said, they've got a stout defense. But uh, I think the Steelers edge out another victory. Yeah, I like Pittsburgh as well. And uh, playing at home, and even, even though they've got uh, Stephon Tuitt, uh, good uh, edge rusher for them. He's not going to be playing. He's week to week with that biceps injury. So that'll give us, you know, maybe a little bit more difficult for them. And also, they're still a little imperfect too, but uh, still rounding into form. But I like Pittsburgh as well. And uh, so we agree on that one. Why don't you go ahead and break down the next game for us, which is uh, Dallas Cowboys at Denver. Uh, Dallas Cowboys are a two-point favorite. Yeah, the uh, both teams 1-0 and coming off impressive primetime victories. Uh, Dallas comes in with Ezekiel Elliott, uh, now the lawyer's favorite NFL player, as he likes taking everything to court. Um, looks like uh, he'll be playing again this week, barring uh, the People's Court or Goodell getting involved. Um, I do like the way Trevor Simeon played on Monday night. I think uh, he managed the game a lot better. It's he, uh, you know, C.J. Anderson ran well, which I think is a positive surprise for the Broncos. Uh, their D with Von Miller, especially on the edge, gave Philip Ed. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys as much as you know personally. It pains me. Um, I do think Elliott adds a tremendous dimension to that offense. He just ran the Giants' defense, which played a good game. He just ran them ragged. They ran out of gas by the second half. Not entirely their fault when your offense isn't doing much. And I think the the Dallas D was improved. You know, Sean Lee had a great game. The pass rush was there. Uh, I think this could potentially be a low-scoring game, but uh, – Given that they're going into the Mile High City early in the year, weather won't be a factor. I think the Cowboys pull it out. Well, you know, the weather's not a factor, but that thin air is. And I think uh, the lack of oxygen may get to those boys from Big D up there in, uh, in Denver. I'm going to go ahead here with Denver. I like Denver's defense to step up to the challenge and stop Ezekiel Elliott. Of course, you don't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. I think Von Miller and the boys will do that. Uh, you know, Jamal Charles in the running back in the backfield for Denver. I think some, this is going to be a good game, possibly the game of the week, well, except for the one that we're going to pick next or maybe the one after that. But anyways, I'm going to go ahead with Denver here by the narrowest of margins uh, for a narrow upset victory here over the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Charles, 
I love when we disagree. This is one case where if you are right, I'm not going to cry. I mean, a Dallas loss, I can, uh, yeah, frankly, I can handle it. <laughs> yep, I bet you can. Okay, now the next game we've got uh, the Green Bay Packers going into Atlanta. Atlanta opening that new stadium, which from what I understand, there will be no artificial crowd noise pumped into it. It will be the actual people in the stands uh, making the noise. And you guys can look that one. You can Google that one if you like. That's why I've kind of got the Atlanta Falcons flare on today, the uh, the black and red. So Green Bay coming off the big victory last week. Atlanta took them a little bit to get going before they uh, before they took down Chicago, but Atlanta, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, the best quarterback in the league, versus Matt Ryan, who was the best quarterback last season. Uh, what do you? How do you see this one? No, this is a repeat of last year's NFC Championship. Uh, what I'm predicting and hope is one-sided. I do think it'll be, um, for whatever reason, the Packers going down there into the Dome, and I know it's a new one, the Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium. Um, I they just think they have trouble, trouble down there on that fast turf. I really like the way the Packers' D played last week against the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. I do think a component of that is their weak offensive line and the fact that rookie running back Russell Wilson didn't have a lot of time to throw. The Falcons are going to be different. They have so many weapons between – uh, Jones and Devonta Freeman and Ryan distributing the ball to even the Muhammad Sanu got in the action against Chicago. Yeah. And I, I think, I think the Falcons are going to be pumped. Uh, like I said, in our preseason shows, props to Arthur Blank for keeping food and concession prices down. You get a point for good karma and I'm picking the dirty birds, the Atlanta Falcons over the Packers. Yeah. You know what? I got to agree with you here. And this is the Sunday night game. And I think it should be a doozy because uh, I think they do have a little bit too much, a uh, little bit faster race car, if you will. This is going to be a shootout, though, because you know Aaron Rodgers, he loves to go up and down the field if he possibly can. So it's going to be a fun game to watch. Even if you're a casual football fan, you'll like this one. But I think in the end, uh, by I think they'll probably win by – it doesn't matter, but uh, I'm looking at them to win by a touchdown or so. But I'm going with the, uh, with the Falcons as well. Good to have you agree with me again, Charles. Okay. And uh, why don't you break down the last game for us, which is the Monday night matchup, the Detroit Lions with uh, the big contract quarterback, Matt Stafford, in New York to face your Giants. Lions come in getting three and a half points, a rematch of a uh, key game last December down the stretch in the Meadowlands. Um, I don't like the way the Giants played, as we hit on earlier. The the Lions, you know, their offense looks like it's clicking. Remains to be seen with the defense. Um, at the end of the day, I think if Odell Beckham doesn't play, this is a no-brainer. Even if he does, I'm not quite sure he's at 100%. I know it's a home game for the Giants, but last year Stafford went in there with a broken finger and nearly beat that team if it wasn't for a late great catch by OBJ. Yeah, uh, outcome could have been different. Going to go with my head and not my heart. I'm picking the Lions. I know they're getting three and a half points, which is also interesting to me. But uh, I think Matt Stafford goes to two and zero this year with that big money. Yeah, very well could be. Uh, <laughs> and this is what I was on the fence uh, all day. I was kind of thinking about this game, but I was leaning Giants. And I hate to go with the whole thing of if so and so plays, then I pick this way. If so and so doesn't play, I pick this way. But I'm going to go ahead and you know I like your reasoning as far as with uh, Odell Beckham. If he plays, even if he does, he's not going to be at 100. Uh, percent So I think that's going to be the difference there. And that Giants offense, even with him though, I think they've got work to do. They may be okay later in the season, but right now that offense is out of sync. And uh, the Detroit Lions, they're hitting on all, all eight cylinders. So right now, this matchup, I think, favors the Lions. I'm going to go ahead and pick Detroit. 
Yeah, I mean, the Giants' running game is really anemic, and I think that's going to hurt them but definitely in the near term. Yeah, definitely some tweaks that need to happen here. So there's our picks of the week. Uh, Philadelphia at Kansas City. We both pick Kansas City. Minnesota at Pittsburgh. We both go with Pittsburgh. Then we split Dallas at Denver. Chris goes with Dallas. I'm taking the hometown Broncos. And we both think Atlanta will prevail over Green Bay. And then we're taking Detroit to beat the New York Giants uh, and then that uh, road game there. So let's go ahead and jump on into the gambler's delight pick here. So we're going to take, uh, in case you're in Vegas, you got $20 that you that's burning a hole in your pocket. You're right near the sports book. One football game, one football-based bet that you have to make. Maybe a game. It could be an over-under. Uh, we kind of give our advice here. Last week, Mr. Lardieri said to take the Lions, and uh, he got that one. So all you who won money in Vegas, you can mail a check to uh, Mr. Lardieri. He takes a 10% commission, I think. And then myself, I did say to take the uh, the Saints against <laughs> against Minnesota. I was wrong about that. But then again, if you listen on our season preview shows, I said whenever the Saints play, just play the over. Now, the over and under was 47.5. They did combine for 48 points. So if you played both of those, you probably broke even. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, so, the Gambler's Delight pick of the week. Um, you know what? I'm just double-checking my lines here. I'm going to go off of a uh, – Oh, I like, to, as you know, my, my theme is I like to pick underdogs. And uh, as at last check here, we've got the Miami Dolphins who uh, avoiding Hurricane Irma and our, our thoughts and prayers. And we're thankful. I've got family down in Florida on the Gulf Coast that are that are safe. Luckily, it's uh, not as devastating as Harvey was, it appears. So uh, the, the Dolphins have been out here in Oxnard practicing where the Cowboys were. I know it must be hard for them to be uprooted and worried and in some cases away from their family and friends. But, uh, you know, given the way the the LAC, not the Los Angeles Clippers, but the LA Chargers played on Monday night and the fact that the Dolphins are coming off essentially a first ever week one bye week, they're getting four and a half points. Um, I'll gladly take it. At the very least, I think it could be a close, low scoring sort of affair. Jay Cutler coming out of semi-retirement, not sure how he'll run the offense. Right. So, Look at it this way. The Dolphins either lose by a field goal, as the Chargers are accustomed to, or they win outright. But I'm getting points. I'll take them. I think they're accustomed to the, the nice Southern California weather and the Pacific time zone. Good luck to them. I think they win outright in front of a game at the soccer stadium known as StubHub Center. <laughs> there you go, everybody. So uh, there, if you're at the sports book, remember, you might want to put a few shackles there on the uh, – on the Miami Dolphins getting four and a half against the Chargers. And I'm going to go with a different one here. I've got the Thursday night game, Houston at Cincinnati, two teams trying to get right here. Uh, Deshaun Watson, the rookie quarterback, is going to be starting for Houston. Cincinnati is coming off of that uh, embarrassing loss to the Baltimore Ravens. you got two teams with pretty good defense, and especially Houston uh, there, who probably has a little better defense than, uh, than the Bengals, with the, especially with Vontez Perfect out right now. So I'm going to say now the over-under there is 38, so they're not expecting a whole lot of scoring anyways. I'm going to say even with that, play the under. What you're going to see is a careful game from Cincinnati and also with that rookie quarterback, Deshaun Watson, starting for Houston. I think they're going to play rather conservatively. Neither one's going to want to open it up. And Cincinnati desperately not wanting to go to 0-2. I think they're going to be a really carefully played game. It may not be all that exciting, but play the under. Houston at Cincinnati. I like it, especially when you have two teams afraid to lose. That's always a good formula. 
There we go. Okay, that's our Gambler's Delight picks. So now for all of you fantasy football players, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Lardieri, who's got many, 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 many years of experience here. Fantasy football delight. <laughs> Chris, what's up with that? Well, I've got, uh, I believe it's 20 years now, which I'm sure my wife is oh so thrilled about. But regardless, uh, with Kareem Hunt on my fantasy team, uh, I still don't think it makes me an expert. I just got lucky that other running backs were chosen in front of him. That said, uh, my formula of trying to get guys that you know are the clear starter, look, it, it, it paid off. Um, had a phenomenal game, but if you look around the league, Leonard Fournette, for instance, had a nice game in his first game in the NFL, but he's the featured back, so uh, keep that in the back of your mind as the season goes. Uh, look, we're here now week one. Your waiver period may already be open, or uh, you may be looking at some potential uh, ideas on who to drop or who to pick up this week. Some of the hot names, for instance, are uh, Tariq Cohen, running back with the the Bears, who really looks like he's going to take some carries away from Jordan Howard, who dropped a potential game-winning touchdown, by the way, which isn't good. Uh, Kerwin Williams is apparently, for now, the replacement for David Johnson in Arizona, which brings up another point. If you've got a number one running back, always handcuff him with their backup. I've got Sharkandrick West. Not only does he have a great name, he can run the ball, he knows the offense, Heavens forbid if Kareem Hunt gets hurt or the SI jinx really does kick in. Um, another name to look at is Kenny Galladay, receiver for the Lions, had a big week. Cooper Cup, the man everyone loves here in L.A., the the great new, uh, I don't know, what kind of receiver would you say is like a uh, Julian Edelman hybrid? I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, Alex Smith has also been down effort. One thing I'll say, these are going to be popular names. Uh, there's a thing in fantasy football called FAB, your free agent allocation budget. You're allowed a certain amount of pretend dollars when you bid on guys to pick them up off waivers. You've got to kind of do the prices right. In this case, bid more to get your, get your uh, waiver claim won. Don't go overboard spending money on these guys. If you can get them, great. But there are other players out there that you can get cheaper that longer term. I'm more of a value investor like Warren Buffett, per se. Um, some of these deeper names to keep an eye on. In some leagues, you look at, like, quarterback. Carson Wentz may still be available. Not a lot of people are high on him. I know you're going to want to check me into a mental facility, but Jared Goff has a couple nice matchups coming up, including against the 49ers in a couple weeks. If your quarterback gets hurt or you think he's got a bad matchup, not bad to pop in there. It looks like Jared knows how to throw the ball, unlike what we saw last year. Um, in Jacksonville, like you said, with receiver injuries, Alan Hearns, someone we forgot about, another guy who might be starting along with Marquise Lee. Um, and then on top of that, you've got uh, with the Chargers, Travis Benjamin, signed him as a free agent last year, didn't do a heck of a lot. It looks like Phillip Rivers likes him as a deep threat. He scored a touchdown last night. Um, finally, with the as you mentioned earlier, with the Saints, there's a rookie named Alvin Kamara out of Tennessee. He got some looks last night while Adrian Peterson threw his temper tantrum on the sideline. Keep your eye on him. Um, another one final thing to remember, defenses. I had the Steelers' defense this past week, and in the first quarter they blocked a punt and scored a touchdown. That's gravy right there. I get six points for, for doing nothing because the Browns don't know how to execute a punt. What you want to do from week to week, if you don't like your defense – Go out there, see who's in free agency, pick one up. We said going in in our AFC preview, watch out for the Ravens' defense. They're a great option, especially because they play the Browns this week. Mm -hmm. um, you've got the Rams, who scored a couple touchdowns last week, albeit against a glorified Pac-12 school in the Colts. But, you know, they play the, the Redskins this week. And Kirk Cousins, we know he likes forcing the ball and turning it over from time to time. Um, the Buccaneers coming off by playing the Bears. Mike Glennon, hey, he's probably due for an you know, at least turn the ball over. And then finally, 
you've got to remember this. Any team playing the Jets this year, look, they've outright said they're tanking the season. They want Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, Rosen, whoever the case may be. Go find whoever's playing the Jets that week and pick up that defense. This week, it's the Raiders. I'm sure if you they're out there on waivers, you'll thank me later. Um, I don't think Josh McCown strikes fear in the hearts of anyone, Charles. So uh, I know it's a lot, but there's a lot going on in week one with all these injuries, especially with David Johnson. So don't panic. Keep your eyes open. If you don't get anyone in a winning bid, just wait and see who clears waivers. Sometimes people will drop established players who had one bad week. Okay, and then, uh, you know, when you talk about David Johnson, well, you know, the from what I understand, the Cardinals are picking up Chris Johnson, who ran, who once ran for 2,000 yards, I don't know, uh, 14 years ago or something. But uh, anything there? Yeah, I believe they signed him tonight, and he knows the offense, and he was there in training camp. Don't know if he's got a heck of a lot of gas in the tank. If anything, I think that diminishes the value of Williams and uh, Andre Ellington, who seems to have nine lives and is always on that team in some capacity. So, mm -hmm. uh Again, the fantasy football player's worst nightmare, the running back by committee where three guys are getting carries. Uh, but that's an excellent example of someone that you can go and pick up without having to spend a dollar. It might sneak through waivers. Pick up Chris Johnson, wait for a couple weeks. Who knows, by the middle of the season, he may be the starter. Like I said, Jordan Howard is a perfect example of that last year. He may lose his job this year. So fantasy football is very dynamic, always changing. Um, I know people think it's about sitting there and staring at the scoreboard on Sunday, but Got to pay attention to a lot of these things, write down even depth charts and, and coaches who, uh, you know, put someone in the doghouse one day. Changes a lot of things. There you go. Okay, everybody. Remember, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports and follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. The show is NFL Football Talk. This is an Inside Sports production. Remember, we're here every week throughout the season and through the Super Bowl as well. And for those of you who are NBA fans, remember Gerald Glassford and Anthony Barbera will be starting up in about a week or so. They'll be doing a weekly NBA show. So Inside Sports is really one-stop shopping here. And before we sign off, Mr. Lardieri, uh, final words of wisdom? Yeah, you know, um, a lot of people have, have talked about, oh, the, the NFL is not as good and the games are boring this weekend. Like I said earlier, you know, teams are kind of getting the rust off. Me mm -hmm. personally – I'm glad it's back. There are a lot of reasons to watch, whether you're a fantasy football player like me, uh, a gambler, or just a fan. I mean, look, let's enjoy it. It's still the most popular game in this country. Uh, my son went to a Dodger game recently with uh, my in-laws and his cousins and his uncles. And in the, I think it took about two hours to play four and a half, five innings of baseball. Where else are you going to get entertainment? That you know, Some of these games have even been under three hours this year, like the Broncos-Chargers games. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's exciting. gives you a chance to go to the bathroom when there is a commercial. And look on the bright side. You don't have to listen to replay analysts like Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino Babylon for five minutes at a time. It looks like the NFL's got that under control. But like I said, people like to kick the winner when they're down. I really don't care if the ratings were down. I know a lot of people were watching the hurricane, but uh, I think honestly with the Patriots losing, this is a wide open season and even more reason to watch the NFL. Yep. Fantastic. So there it is, everybody. So remember NFL football talk every week for Mr. Chris Lardieri. I'm Charles E. Smith Jr. Thank you for joining us. We'll see everybody next week. Brink here from Super BS. Talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah.
that's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.